Um, well, hopefully I, you know, I can connect with high school students. There's a, hopefully I can connect with you guys too. And uh, the other thing that he didn't mention, you know, when they when they text, I don't know what high school kids think, but they text me questions like, you know, like, "Hey, Father, real quick, what's the ontological meaning of the Trinity?" <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you can't. I, I write back. I'm like, I'm not texting that. You know, what I mean? <laughs> my thumbs would fall off before I finished with it. So, anyway, uh, hopefully. Tonight, I, like, I, I'm, I have put in here, I actually have a little says disclaimer, okay, because I don't know what's going to happen tonight. <clears throat> you know, when, when they asked me to do the talk, we, came, we were thinking about kind of just brainstorming with ideas, and I kind of let them sit and thought about them, but uh, none of them seemed to really click. And so <clears throat> about four days ago, three days ago, I was just still thinking, <laughs> still praying, I'm like, Lord, running out of time here. <laughs> I gotta give an hour talk, that's not something I can just jump, I mean, I can, I could jump in and talk for an hour, and probably entertain you, but give you nothing, right? But, <laughs> so I said, I want something with substance, and uh, I'm a huge fan of Archbishop Sheen, uh, Fulton Sheen, he's just, he's one of my great heroes. And uh, one night, I was just, I'm like, I was just kind of listening to a, a talk of his and just really got inspired from what he was saying. And, uh, and I kind of figured, I was like, that must be it. And so, <clears throat> what I, the disclaimer is this. Uh, you might not like this talk, okay? And the reason you might not like this talk is because of certain things I'm going to challenge you with. Uh, you might think I'm out of my mind. Uh, you might think that uh, it might be too hard. Um, and the other thing is, is I want to I want to make sure that you you know I'm not a I don't assume that you're not praying okay <laughs> I assume that you are praying I just want to push you to more that's it okay and I want to push you to more and I want to I want to do that by first explaining why we need to constantly be pushing for more we can't be content with just where we're at um, because I think you know when we get you know, I'm even experiencing just a little bit as a, as a, a priest. You know, I'm only five, five years in. That's not that long. And there's spots where I'm just like, you know, cruise control. Like, let's go. You know, I, <clears throat> I don't want to go any further there. You know, I got enough stuff going on. Let, Lord, I want to stop here and we'll work on this. And he's like, no, but I want you to do this. I know, we'll just leave that on cruise for now. Autopilot, you take over. Okay? But, <clears throat> so those are, those are the two parts of kind of a disclaimer to the beginning of my talk. Um, I do just want to challenge you. I mean, that's part of the reason that I do talks. I don't do it to, to entertain. Um, I don't do it for money. I do it, I mean, I'm not in this job for the money. Really? I, I, <laughs> I do it uh, because I want you to be holy. I want you to change. I want to be the one that pushes you to continue to change and not just be satisfied with just getting by, with mediocrity, okay? Um, so that's how... I just want to just, that's the disclaimer. So before we get started, I want to start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, <clears throat> when you came to this earth, you said that you wished that it was already on fire for love of you. Lord, in the midst of that scripture passage, we sometimes stand as a small candle, a small flame. I ask, Lord, that you send your spirit upon this group tonight and that you take that small flame and fan it into a great fire, a fire that has passion to live for you, to live for others, but most importantly, 
to know you personally, which is the highest good on this earth. We ask this in the intercession of Our Lady, <clears throat> who knew you better than anybody, as we pray together. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. <laughs> Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so I want to start out. I had my, my faithful Minokan parishioners sitting right up here in the front, and I, they said, no questions. You know, but that's, I'm going to start. I always ask questions in my homilies, and everybody just sits silent, right? And then when somebody answers it, the other guy's, well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> right, but this is a question. These aren't ones that you have to answer. These are just rhetorical questions to kind of get you thinking before I actually get into my talk. And this is the first question, okay? How much time each day do you spend in prayer? I'm not talking prayer where you're just kind of, you know, walking around and talking to Jesus, which is beautiful. That's good. I'm talking before the Blessed Sacrament. I'm talking reading the Scriptures. How much time does that happen in your daily life? Okay, that's the first question. Remember, you don't have to, you don't have to answer these, okay? That's the first question. I read a recent study, actually, <clears throat> that said Christians, they, they did a whole poll, and they said the average prayer time that most Christians spend when they're really engaged in listening and praying to the Lord and not just asking for more money, right? Or protection or a job or what. When they're really just engaged to get to know the person of Jesus Christ, the average time is six and a half minutes a day. Okay? We cannot, we cannot be Christians and spend six and a half minutes a day in prayer, okay? And again, I want to be careful. I'm not saying that's what you do. I'm just saying. These are some things to think about, okay? Because remember, the one, there is only one Thing, and this is a question you have to answer. There is only one thing that Jesus Christ commanded of his disciples, asked his disciples to do for him. What was it? Pray. What was it? Yeah. What did he say? Stay One hour. It's the only thing he ever asked of them. And they didn't do it. They fell asleep. He asked for one hour. Could you not stay awake with me one hour? And remember, whenever he's speaking to the disciples, he's speaking to all of us. We are Christians. That means we claim to be disciples. That means we follow the Master. And he said to his own disciples, could you not stay awake just one hour with me? Could you not spend one hour with me that day, that night? Okay? Second question. <clears throat> How many times have you had a person speak here? or anywhere else for that matter, and made an honest resolution based on what they said that you have kept to this day? Or have you just come away from talks energized, happy to be Catholic, feeling good? That's, a, that's an honest question we have to ask ourselves. Because if our talks aren't causing you to change things, things in your lives, something's wrong. There's a disconnect. We're missing something. Okay? So how many times... Have you ever, or can you think of any practical resolution that you took at the end of any talk that you heard and you kept up to this very hour? Just a thought. I can answer for myself, okay? I've been to a lot of good talks. I've, I've left feeling energized, <laughs> right? I've left feeling like I'm a good Catholic, that, that the, the Catholic faith is the best one, and that it rules over all, and we're going to crush the world someday, and you know... There's a lot of times that I've felt like that. 
But there's few times that I've went to something and I've made a resolution and then I've stuck to it. There's one thing that I did, and I'm going to bring that up. And I've stuck to that resolution pretty consistently. Not 100%, but pretty darn close. Okay? I think the reason is, is because for all of us, we're mostly like motivational speakers. Okay? We get up here and we say, let's be healthy, let's be holy. But we never did, we never get to anything really practical. Okay? We need to be more practical as Christians. So today I'm going to talk about something, just we're going to get down to the basics, the nitty gritty of prayer. And the reason is, is because I think the reason right now in the world that we have so much apathy, there's so much apathy. I don't know if you experience it, but good Lord, do I experience it. People that just don't have any fire. They don't have any passion. Right? No, no, no big desire. The biggest desire is hunting. That's what they look forward to the most, hunting. I mean, that's pathetic. There's got to be more than that. Right? At least I hope there is. I mean, I love hunting. Don't get me wrong. I love to kill stuff. I really do. Okay? But there's all this, it seems to me there's, there's kind of this mediocrity, especially with Americans. And I think it stems from the fact that we have so much. We are never driven to be more. We don't have to be more. If we want more, we go buy it. We don't have to change ourselves. We just change our environment. That's all. When something's going wrong, I don't like this. I'll just change my environment. I'm not going to change myself. It couldn't be me. Are you kidding me? It could not be me. I could not be the problem here. It must be all this other stuff. It's incredible. And mediocrity will kill you. It will kill you. It will drive you into the ground. I mean, you can see it all over. And especially, I mean, maybe even some of you can, can witness to this. You know, I mean, you've been married for quite a while. Have you guys kind of leveled off? Have you leveled off? Or do you still have that fire for each other? Do you still have that fire? Or are you kind of just on cruise control as a married couple? You think Christ is calling you to more? Of course he is. He said something and he meant it. He said, you should be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. And I think a lot of people sit back and they say, whoa, <laughs> you didn't, no, what? Perfection? Are you crazy? I don't think Christ said, you're going to be perfect. He said, you ought to be perfect as my heavenly father. That means you should never stop. You should always dig deeper. You should always see what you need to change. There has got to be something to change. You should always be questioning things. You know, something comes up and, and it challenges your point of view. That you don't just sit there and say, the hell with that. I'm right. That's wrong. We as Christians, if something comes up to us and, and it's something that's in our face and we don't understand it, we sit back and we say, why? Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? Are you calling me to something deeper? Is that what this is? is it, are you calling me to something deeper? Or are you just calling me to get mad and yell at people? And say, I'm right. And let my own pride just explode. Christ calls every one of you to something deeper every day. It's just a matter if you can hear it. He calls you to change every day. Every single day. I can promise you that. Okay? We first, in order to understand this, this problem, okay, I think we need to understand why we need to change. If we don't understand why we need to change, there's no need to change. Right? So I'll give you two principles. The first principle is this, okay? Um, <clears throat> if you... Love quickly declines. That's the first principle. Love 
quickly declines. And what I mean by that is, <clears throat> you know, we have all this fire, all this passion at the beginning of stuff. And then it slowly kind of fades away. We get so excited, but if we don't stay focused, it just fades away. I'll give you an example from the scriptures. Two examples, actually. The first one is Samson and Delilah. That? Samson, right? The great Nazarite. The man that could, you know, pick up buildings with a single hand. The guy was, he was very blessed. He was very blessed. But he lost his focus. He lost his focus. His love for God, right? And his promise, because a Nazarite, right, is celibate. They were like the priests, like the Catholic priests of the Old Testament. They were celibate. They didn't drink any strong drink. They never cut their hair, and they were never with women. Well, there's a problem with Samson. He's lost his focus. He's hanging out with a girl, right? And everything's fine. Samson's doing, I'm fine. I'm still Samson. I can hang out with this. No big deal, right? I'm still focused on God. This is just on the side. And all of a sudden, right, she cuts his hair off. Now, everybody thinks that, like, Samson's hair had magical power. Okay, it didn't. You know, these flowing golden locks did not have, I mean, they could have been black locks for all I know. <clears throat> they did not have power. It's a symbol of what had already happened to him. He was with Delilah, and he gave her his most precious thing, which was his promise to the Lord. That means that he gave away his love from God to somebody else. That's when he lost his power. The shaving of the hair was just a symbol of it. Let me give you another example of how love quickly declines. The Israelites. God bless those people. Right? Because they taught us so much. 40 years, they couldn't get it right, right? That's a big symbol for us. 40 years, we can't get it right either. They travel and ra around and around and around and around. I mean, when I went there, I went to the Sinai Peninsula, and I crossed it with, you know, like in a bus ride in eight hours. I'm like, what took so long? You know? Like, how did you guys screw this up? You know, Just north, and you'll run into something. You know, or Moses was a really bad guy, one of the two. But anyway, they get, they, you guys got to realize this, and this is why the scriptures are so important, Okay. They see the, the Red Sea split in two. I, I would be happy with Sakakawea. <laughs> they got to see a whole sea, okay? And this, when it says, you know, they walk through on dry ground, the water's as a wall to your left and to your right. I mean, imagine what that would have been like, like sticking your hand into the water. And it's like a hundred and some feet above you. They walk through this. They see all this. It collapses on the Egyptians. The Egyptians die. They saw all the plagues, all the things that happened. They get to Mount Sinai. Moses goes up and comes down. He says, here's what you need to do. You got to do this. God wants you to do this, this, and this. And they say, everything that the Lord says, we will do. We promise. And they all bow down and worship the God of Israel. Moses said, good. You just stay here and be good. I'm going to go talk to God. In six weeks, in six weeks, they were worshiping a golden calf, drunk and having sex. Love quickly declines if you don't do anything about it. You can come up and, you know, maybe, I don't know, God, God willing, this is a good talk, and you get energized, you're like, yeah! But if you don't do anything about it, who cares? You can get energized as much as you want. Speaking of, have you seen that, uh, what's that, DirecTV commercial? The guy's like, you know, when you feel depressed and playing video games, you go to a self-help conference. When you go to a self-help conference, then you go to Vegas because you're excited. When you go to Vegas, you lose everything, right? And he's laying on a park bench, half dead, right? So, I mean, energizing somebody doesn't do a lot. 
it sometimes gives you that key, that push, right? To say, now I'm ready to do more. But then you've got to commit to something. You've got to commit to something. If you don't commit to it, it doesn't mean anything. Right? We have to be more serious about our commitments to Jesus Christ and make those the first and foremost, the, the front of our life. Those are the first things that get fulfilled, then these. I like to use hunting because I'm a hunter and I see some hunters here. <laughs> Right? If I, I'm not going hunting until I go to Mass. That's it. I'm not going shopping until I go to Mass. I'm not going shopping until I pray. I'm not going out tonight to eat until I pray. We fill ourselves with so much stuff. Blaise Pascal, who's one of my favorite uh, philosophers, he's a French philosopher, kind of a little crazy guy, but he had some really awesome things to say. And one of the things he said is he said, the vast majority of men and women spend the vast majority of their life trying to distract themselves. And you put that mentality, which we already have, into the first world United States, Bismarck, North Dakota. Man, you really don't have to ever advance in your faith. You can just get by. You know what, you guys? And I... Maybe this will be too harsh. <clears throat> but I don't think people necessarily always... I don't think people necessarily go to hell because of all the evil they commit. I think people can go to hell because of the good they don't do. How many times do we hear in the scriptures when Jesus Christ said, you neglected to do this. You didn't feed the hungry. Right? Right? And because of that, depart from me. I just want to read you a quick little passage. We've got to use the scriptures. This is our main, our main text, right? When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels are with Him, He'll sit on His throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate them one from another, as a, sheep, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. He will place the sheep on His right, the goat's on His left. Then the king will say to those on my right, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Sick, and you visited me. In prison, and you came to me. Doesn't say anything about doing evil stuff. His standard is about doing good. Not about avoiding evil. We got to start doing more good. I mean, good Lord, you know how many gifts we have? You know how much, you know how much good we could do if we were really lit on fire for Jesus Christ? Seriously. It's unbelievable. Or another passage, when Christ says, you know, they come to him and they say, they say, Jesus, you know, we worked miracles in your name. We did all this stuff. He said, but, but I don't know you. I don't know you. So he's saying, not only do we have to do good, but we got to know him when we're doing the good. We can't just get by, you guys. I'm telling you, I went to, I had a retreat one time. And this, whenever I go on retreat, Jesus never really talks to me about the bad things I do. He always talks to me about how I've let him slip out of my life. <clears throat> and he usually does that with like a two by four. <laughs> like he smacks me right across the face almost. It's usually the first or second day into retreat. And two years ago, I went on a retreat. And he said to me, he said, do you not realize you could do a lot of amazing things, Josh? You could. But if you don't do them with me, they're not going to matter. We can have all kinds of programs, all kinds of self-help clinics, all types of wonderful things that we do, but if, if you don't know Him, 
If you don't know Him, none of it matters. That's why Paul said, you know, he said, I'm worried about running the race in vain. What if I do all this and I don't get accepted? You know? And you can't, you have to know Him. And you can't know Him unless you spend time with Him. I say to this, my students all the time, I say, who wants to go to heaven? And they're like, yeah, we do, yeah. And I'm like, all right, yeah, okay. I'm like, how many of you go to Mass every Sunday? And they're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm like, really? How was, who prays an hour every day with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament? Oh. <laughs> who spends five minutes with Him in the, spa, in the chapel at the end of the hallway? <laughs> oh, I get it. So you want to be with Him forever? But you don't want to spend any time with Him now. That sounds like a great friend. You know? If you want to be my best friend, every time I, hey, you want to hang out? You're like, no, i got other things to do. Okay. Hey, you want to hang out? No, I'm busy. Hey, you want to, you want to come over to eat on Sunday? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. i got something going on. It's a little more important than you are. Okay. I, I think after a while, I'd be like, you don't really like me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not that dumb. we got to know Him. We gotta know him. And we gotta push ourselves to know him over and over and over. Every day. Every hour. Because love slowly declines. Okay? The second thing uh, that we have to that we have to watch out for. The second thing we have to work, watch out for is I wanna make sure I get it right, because I, I like the way it was written. <laughs> we have an evil principle in us that if it is not kept in check, it will eventually destroy us. And this is what we call the effects of original sin. If we don't keep these things in check, whatever it is, now everybody has their own thing, okay? I don't know what yours is. I know what mine are, right? It's not just one. Some of us have 10. <laughs> Some of us have 15. Whatever that is, if that isn't disciplined, if that isn't protected and guarded and healed, it will kill you. It will kill you, okay? Uh, Plato had a great image of this. He said, the passions are like wild horses. Okay? And if you hook them up to a chariot, a wild horse, right, and just tell them to go, they will destroy the chariot. <clears throat> the chariot is, is the person. right? But you put a horse, you break them, you beat the hell out of them, get them to submit to you to be obedient, and then you put reins on them, and you've got a skilled charioteer, a good intellect, running the show, that becomes the most effective war machine in the ancient world. One way, it'll destroy itself. The other way, it becomes very effective. But the only way to do that is constant discipline. You've got to do stuff over and over and over again, you guys. Just going to Sunday Mass, it's a beautiful thing. That's not enough. That is not enough. There's a, a young kid at the high school. I, it's unbelievable. He's a, he's a basketball player. He's a great basketball player. You may even know him. But every day, from like 5 to 7, he's shooting the same dang shot for two hours. Coming up right at the three-point line. Goes and gets the ball, runs. Two hours. Every day. He just so happens to be one of our best basketball players. You don't get to be good at things unless you drive yourself. And we, you guys, we drive ourselves to do crazy things, to be good at a, all these things in the world. 
to be great farmers, great doctors, great lawyers, great whatever. And we pour our hearts out into our work. And we don't even think about time we could spend with the living God. There's an evil principle in us that if it's not kept in check, it will destroy us. And so we have to be careful about that, okay? So evil works in us and love declines. And we love to rationalize. <clears throat> we love to rationalize everything. Oh, no, no, no. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a really good Christian. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I go to Sunday Mass. I pray before meals. I, you know, I send my kids to Catholic schools. All of, I don't want to say like I'm coming down on those things. Those are good things. But if you think that that's the height <clears throat> of what Christ wants you to be in this life, you are sadly mistaken. Sadly mistaken. He wants not just the things you do. He wants you. He wants all of you. And he won't stop until he gets all of you. That's why that beautiful quote from C.S. Lewis, God is easy to please, but really hard to satisfy. When you do the littlest thing, he is like a father. I'm so proud of you. That is awesome. But we're not stopping there. You're walking. Oh, you saw that? You fell on your face. Get up. We're going to keep walking. Now you're walking. Good. Now you're going to run. He is not going to stop you guys until you're perfect. And so if you don't feel, this is what I want to caution you. If you don't feel in your own life, this voice that says, I got to be more. I got to be better. And not at your profession. <laughs> at your faith. If you don't feel that, you're in a very, very dangerous place. Because you have fallen in to a horrible, horrible lifestyle of mediocrity. I get by everywhere else. I'm going to get by here. I'm reasonably happy. You know, who wants to be a saint in here? I hope all your hands go up. Because okay? only saints go to heaven. You ever wonder what, I mean, think about what the saints did. What, what made the saints saints? They just put Christ first in everything. And they spent a lot of time with Him. Okay? So what I want to encourage you with tonight, <clears throat> I want to encourage you guys, because we have really been moving towards a standard of the world. Exclasia, which is the Greek word for church, means to be called out. Right? We are called out of the world. But yet we so desperately want to be part of the world. Okay? It was never in the mind of Christ. He said, I pulled them out of the world, Father. I kept them for myself. And yet we so desperately as Christians want to be part of the world. We want to be associated with the world. Associated with the trends, all these things. And we're so distracted. My gosh, are we distracted. And so what we really need to do is to be called out. Okay? And I, this is, I want to give you one thing. Instead of like three or five or six they say people average retain 10% of what you say. <laughs> this is the one thing you need to remember. Okay? There's one thing that you need to do, and this is my challenge for you tonight. Okay? And that is, you need to pray one hour with the Blessed Sacrament every day. I know you might think that is out of control crazy. And your father, you don't know. You don't, you don't know what I do. You don't know what I do, Father. I'm a lot busy. There's no way that I could ever do it. It's, it's just not humanly possible. That's all. It's not that I don't want to do it. I do. But it's just not humanly possible. And that's a lie. It's possible. 
you think about how much time you spend distracting yourself, what do you need to get rid of? That's the question. Because Jesus Christ is calling everyone here tonight. I am positive about this. I am absolutely positive about this. Because he put this on my heart to talk about. He wants you all to spend one hour a day with him in the Blessed Sacrament. I know, it's crazy. I know. Can I count the driving time? No. <laughs> I will, however, I will allow, I, will, I would allow you to count mass, daily mass. So you got a half, because you're with him that whole time, you're listening to his word, you're receiving him in the flesh. But you guys, I can do it. And you'd say, well, you don't have a family. I know I don't have a, I got a huge family. Are you kidding me? Mine's one billion. How big is yours? Right? I'm a, I'm a spiritual father. I got people calling me all the time. You just got to, and this is a challenge for me. I got to take my phone and I have to turn it off in my holy hour. Even if I am expecting a really important call. What is more, you guys, every time when, I, when I'm thinking about this, if I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, got my phone, it's off, Jesus. Here we go. I wonder how much time has passed. 8.01, okay. Check it. All right. And it's just, we are so, we, we run away from this because, you know, another thing that Blaise Pascal said, he said, uh, the one, I gotta look it up. I don't want to screw it up because this, here it is. All human evil comes from a single cause. Man's inability to sit in silence in his room. That's a heck of a statement. We don't want to be in silence. It's not that it's not possible. You just don't want to be there because you can be doing so many other things. But yet we claim that Jesus Christ is the most important thing in our life. We claim that. Will you spend, as he asked all of his disciples, one hour? One hour. You guys, if we can't do that, how do we ever expect to be saints? We love quickly declines. That's my first principle. We need something, we need something that's going to fire that love every day. And when people start doing this, we will have passion. That's what made the saints saints. They were men and women of passion because Jesus Christ was fueling them. And when he gets a hold of you, when he gets a hold of you, watch out. He will call you to things you never even dreamed of. I'm going to tell you another, another time when I was in a, a retreat. Because that apparently is the only time when I can listen to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I can't listen to my holy hour. But <clears throat> when I'm in retreat... He said, I was reading St. Paul, and I was, I was just blown away. I'm like, St. Paul was the man. Like, he was the man. I am so, if I could just, if I could be St. Paul, think what I could do. And I heard out loud, you can. You know what I did? I was so freaked out. I closed my Bible and left the chapel. <clears throat> because what does it mean? What did that call mean? Right there! Christ is like, I'm not going to make you into Paul himself, but that spirit can be in you. You can do what he did. But what happens? What do we say? 
that's a lot of change. I mean, I'd have to give up a lot. And then I got to the point where I said, maybe I could be, you know, the cigar smoking St. Paul. <laughs> I mean, that's new. He did, yeah. I don't think he smoked, right? I just like an occasional cigar. And I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying that Jesus wants to just rip everything away from you. He doesn't. He wants to rip everything away from you that is stopping you from being his. That's all. He wants to burn that out of you. And it's either going to happen here or it's going to happen in purgatory. God willing, we make it there. And all the saints tell us, do it here. Because purgatory is way worse. But we play around with this. We play around with it almost as kind of, I don't know, as we kind of make it a joke. I don't, that yeah, you know, I, I love Jesus. I, you know, I'm, I'm a hardcore Christian. Do we really love him? Because when you love somebody, tell me this, am I wrong? When you love somebody, what do you do? You spend time with them. That's it. And all of us know here, you don't have to be, in order to really love, you don't have to have things. You just need time. The saints were time waster extraordinaires. They just wasted time with Jesus. We waste time doing all types of stupid things. I know this. I know this. Because I do it. Time when I could be praying. We have got to start getting more serious about it. St. Francis de Sales said, Every Christian must, at a minimum, pray a half hour each day. Except when you're busy. Then you pray an hour. Because <clears throat> right? you need it more. It's interesting too, isn't it? It seems like when you have a lot more going on, you, you can pray, at least for me, I, I can get my holy hour. When I don't have anything, got a Saturday morning off, somehow I waste five hours. I don't know how it happens. And I don't get anything done. Nothing. I have all these great ideas about things I'm going to do and I don't get anything done. You guys, it's possible. And the other thing too is, I think the reason for the holy hour and why it's so necessary right now in this part of, in this modern day and age, is because we live in a busy, excited world. A world that caters to interruption. And you guys, I can promise you this. If you come, if you walk out of here tonight and you say, yeah, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. That your first holy hour, you're going to feel like you're losing your mind. You are going to be bombarded by so many distractions, you're not going to know what to do about all the crazy stuff in your life, about all the things that are going on, about all the things I could be doing. It usually takes me about 20 minutes in my holy hour just to shut up. I talk with myself for 20 minutes. <laughs> I know maybe you think that's weird, but it's true. For 20 minutes. And here's the crazy, this is the really neat part. <clears throat> this whole principle of the holy hour is based on the road to Emmaus, that story, the road to Emmaus, you know? When the apostles, or the disciples are walking, right? They're walking and they're talking. They're like, oh yeah. We're... And in the word discussion, I noticed this, the word discussing is used three times. Oh, they're talking like crazy. They're talking so much, they don't even know who joins them. <laughs> discussing, discussing, discussing. Hey, who are you? Oh, I'm just hanging out. It's Jesus right there. He's right in their midst. He's like, you know, what are you, what are you talking about? And he's like, are you the only one that doesn't know? Don't you watch Fox News? <laughs> Don't you read the Tribune? 
Are you out of your mind? You're the only one that doesn't know? And he says to him, why are you looking so glum? Why are you so downcast? He said, well, we thought he was the savior. The savior of what? The political savior. That's why they're down. They don't know who he is. And that's why they don't recognize him. And then Jesus starts to talk to them as they're walking. And they finally shut up. And he starts to explain to them how the Christ had to suffer. And he said, did you not know that the Christ had to suffer in order to enter into his glory? And then it says, and he opened up the scriptures for them. And then, what seemed to be a distraction, all of a sudden, Jesus looks like he's going on. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Hang, hang out with us for a little bit. And they sit down. And then they get to know him in the Eucharist. He said they, their eyes were open in the breaking of the bread. That's the way the holy hour works, you guys. You sit down, he's right in your midst. You can't even see him because you're discussing so much stuff with yourself. <coughs> all the problems of the world, all this, all that, all this, all that. You don't even see him. <coughs> and you're even frustrated by him. Aren't you paying attention to the problems of the world? Am I the only one that thinks about these things? And then, and then you open up. You ready? I know this is going to freak you out. <coughs> Because I already pushed the holy. This one's really over the top. You open up the Bible. <laughs> I know. I know it's now we're really crazy. Okay. You guys. We've got to read the Bible. You cannot know the living Christ unless you first know him in his word. And I'm not talking Sunday Mass, Bible. Real quick, little statistic. I learned this at the clergy conference. See, we do learn things there. We don't just <laughs> sit around and chat and have some drinks, okay? They said this. If you, this is, you can guess, okay? Nobody's going to be right. Okay? <laughs> if you go to Mass, you know that the readings are on a three-cycle period, A, B, and C. If you didn't know that, you do now because I just told you, okay? Even more reason for a holy hour. <clears throat> and the Bible reading. <laughs> if you went to Mass every Sunday for three years, how much of the Bible would you read? One seventh. One seventh. The whole thing. No. The whole thing. 17% of the Old Testament. 87% <laughs> of the New. 17%? I don't know what the, the break is. I just know what it is combined. I think that's what it is. It's 14% of the Bible. In three years. Just going to Sunday Mass. Now, if you go to daily Mass, if you go to daily Mass, for three years, how much of the Bible will you read? 28%. It's not a lot, you guys. I'm telling you, I'm, I, I committed. We had the, the creasters. I have some of my creasters here. You know, Paul Cain was really pushed. He's like, you know, I was pushed. We got to read the Bible. He said, get this daily Bible and start reading it. And read it cover to cover in one year. It gives you 20 minutes every day, 20, 25 minutes of reading every day of the Bible. And I'm reading, I'm like, I'm a priest. <laughs> and I don't know this stuff. Like, I didn't know these stories. I mean, I knew parts of these stories because we are the, the real highlights of the scriptures of salvation history. And you guys, there is great stuff in the Bible. It's like the greatest book ever written. Even the crazy books like Leviticus. They're fun. I mean, you're like, what in the hell? Like, what? Is, why would you write? I don't get it. But then, here's the beautiful part, too. As you're reading through, you're like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And then, I know. Hold on. We're going to get even more crazy. Okay? Then we're going to get a scripture commentary. Okay? 
so we can actually learn what's being said to us and not just read it and then leave it. I want to suggest this one. We just, this has just come out. Uh, it's called The Catholic Commentary on Sacred Scripture. It's the first time that Catholics have put together a commentary on sacred scripture. And I've been reading this. Father Jason, you were at the conference too. This is great stuff, man. Oh, it is so good. You start. And I'm telling you, the Bible is like a code. It's a code. And when you start breaking the code, it is funner than heck. I'm serious. You start breaking, you're like, whoa, no way. Like, I totally just read that. And you can hear, no, yeah. And you're jacked up because you're learning stuff about your faith and you're coming to understand who Jesus Christ is. He is not just this kind of happy-go-lucky sort of guy. He's intense. He demands everything. He beats people up in the temple. He drives out demons. He stands toe-to-toe -to -toe with the devil and slams him to the ground. He is not this sort of kind of Lighten the loafers sort of man, okay? He is the real deal. There is no more serious man to have ever lived than Jesus Christ. Manly men. We claim to be manly men all the time. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know what it means to be a man. You can be tough and you can beat people up and you can, you know, have your opinions and be boisterous and in people's face. Who cares? Can you die for people? That's a man. Can you die for people? Were you willing? Are you willing to stand up for the truth and risk your career because of it? That's a man. And that's a woman. Mary, there was no greater, no greater woman than Mary. She risked her whole life on one choice. But you guys, we can't know this stuff until we read about it. And you can say, you know why? I think I know the scriptures. Well, no, you don't. <coughs> no, you don't. I can promise you that. Because we've gone through an age in the church, which you've lived through, and I'm on the tail end of it, in which the scriptures were kind of just gotten rid of. Or the focus was placed just on love. And that's it. You know, I mean, I, the one thing I am seeing is I read the Old Testament. <coughs> and it's, it is so, I've just... Because I've never read the Old Testament. <laughs> I mean, I have, and I thought I've read the whole Bible, but apparently I haven't. And I was shocked and disappointed in myself, but I'm glad that Christ called me to more, and I answered that call. It's one of the few ones I've answered, okay, I'm working on it. But <clears throat> in there, the Old Testament, what do you think is the main theme of the Old Testament? Covenant, sure, but it's in reference to the covenant. What does God desire from His people? Trust in Him. Trust in Him and obedience. obedience. Trust and obedience. And I'm reading it and I'm like, oh my gosh. If you look, you know, if everybody would just read the Bible, they would see that we have to be obedient to Jesus Christ and His teachings. Every time the Israelites went out and said, oh, we're going to do what we think is best. That's when all hell broke loose in Israel. That's when serpents came and bit them and they all died and... You know, the ground opened up and Dathan and his whole clan fell into the bottomless pits of hell. You know, it's because they weren't obedient to the living God. And it isn't an obedience because God wants us to be slaves. It's an obedience so that we become free. So that we become who we're supposed to be. But we can't learn this stuff until we read the Bible. And you can't understand the, the Eucharist until you understand the Scriptures. 
That's just, the Mass works that way. The road to Emmaus worked that way. Jesus comes in His Word, and then He gives us His flesh and blood. And you understand the sacrificial offering. You guys, there is so much. There is so much that Jesus fulfills that we just don't even have a clue about. And if you don't have that clue, you don't see how amazing He is. We've got to start taking it more seriously. Praying the Holy Hour. Praying the Holy Hour. I want to give you a... This is from... I'm doing Wow. I talk a lot. <laughs> when we read the Scriptures... Okay. When you go into your Holy Hour and you start reading the Scriptures, you think, and you're going to feel like nothing's happening. Okay? I want to read you a quote from a, uh, this guy in Christ is my hero. Save, save my vocation on my 30-day retreat. <clears throat> because I was so, I said, Lord, you, why are you doing this to me? Why aren't you speaking to me? It's 30 days of silence. I've been with you and I don't feel your presence. This is just, a, this is, I'm wasting my time. And I was in a mass and a priest read this quote. And at the end of this quote, I broke down and wept for two straight hours. I don't think that'll happen to you, but you never know. Okay, to help you further understand why we need the Holy Hour, despite whatever comes, he says this. Why should I spend an hour in prayer when I do nothing but think about women I could marry, friends, books I could write, people that annoy me, and all those stupid things that grab at my mind from the world? My mind is never centered on God, it seems. But the answer is this. Because God is greater than my mind and my heart. And what is really happening in the house of prayer is not measurable in terms of human success and failure. What I must do, first of all, is be faithful. If I believe, I mean really believe, the first commandment is to love God with my whole heart, mind, and soul, then I should at least be able to spend one hour a day with Him. The question as to whether it is helpful, useful, practical, or fruitful is completely irrelevant, since the only reason to love is love itself. Everything else is secondary. The remarkable thing, however, is that sitting in the presence of God for one hour each morning, day after day, week after week, month after month, in total confusion, in myriad distractions, radically changes my life. God who loves me so much that He sent His own Son not to condemn me but to save me does not leave me waiting in the dark too long. I might think that each hour is useless, but after 30 or 60 or 90 such useless hours, I gradually realize that I'm not alone, as alone as I thought I was. A very small, gentle voice has been speaking to me far beyond that noisy place. So, be confident and trust in the Lord and know that you are never alone. At that point, you guys, it all made sense to me. Why do I pray the holy hour every day? Because God asked me to. That's why. Whether it's useful or helpful or... I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's what He's asked of me. He said, would you not spend one hour with me? That's all He's asking. That's the only thing. Can I please do that? Yes, I will do that. To love, The only point of loving is love itself. And any one of you that experienced, I'm sure you have, deep, deep love, you know that. You don't do it because I'm going to get something out of you. You do it just because you love. 
And that's what he's asking of all of you. I really believe that tonight. I believe he's asking that of you guys, all of you. I know you think I'm crazy and insane and weird, and that's fine. I don't care. Because I'm not, I'm not here to entertain, okay? I, I, I don't. I, I mean, you can sit back and say, oh, yeah, his talks are great. He's entertaining. He was interesting. I don't care. I don't care if I'm horrible. All I care is that you change. That you go on to something greater. And I'm not saying, like, I don't want you to think either that I got, that I got it all together, okay? Because I don't. I got issues. A lot of them. We all do. Okay? But what I'm, what I'm pushing you to do as a priest of Jesus Christ, His ambassador, is to do the one thing He asked of us. And that's to spend one hour with Him. One hour. And when you do it, it will change you. It'll be hard at first, I know that. But get, o get rid of TV. I mean, half the time, this is why I got rid of TV. I got basic air cable. Because half the time I had dish, I spent an hour just trying to find something to watch. Because there's so many options. And then while I was watching it, I was thinking about all the stuff I was missing. What the hell's the point of that? Like, that is a horrible way to watch TV. I mean, you're not even relaxing. You're constantly in anxiety. <laughs> It's the same, you know, I want to open a restaurant where you walk in and you have, like, you get chicken, pork, or beef. That's it. And you get a water. There's no soda, just water. And you get french fries or, you know, potato, a baked potato. I think it would make millions. Because you don't have to decide. You know, half the price, you go to Applebee's. And you're like, good lord. I mean, how many pages? This is a small book. And then you get done with it, you know, and you're like, I will have, you know, the, 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 the chicken fajitas, okay? And you're like, you sure? Well, yeah, I, I think. I think so. Do, would you recommend something else? Well, I really like this. Why would I take your recommendation? You don't have my taste buds. You're not even a man. But yeah, we do. Oh, that's a great rep. I'll have that. Unbelievable. There are so many options in the modern day and age that were almost render rendered powerless. You know, I mean, what do you want? Coke, Diet Coke, Mellow Yellow, Sprite, Mountain Dew, Cherry Coke, Dr. Pepper. I mean, cause <laughs> I want a pop. <laughs> That's all I'm asking. Okay, so, I mean, <laughs> just to be able to shut that off. Does that not sound refreshing to anybody in here? The holy hour is so refreshing to me. And I'm telling you, the best time for me as a priest, I don't know about you, but for me as a priest is in the morning. <laughs> from 5.30 to 6.30. That's my hour. And you guys, honestly, it's the best time of my life. It's the, it's, the, it's the thing I look forward to every morning. Just a cup of coffee, and that's okay. You know, maybe at some point God wants me to get rid of the coffee. But I need coffee. At this point in my life, I need coffee, and Jesus is okay with it. He hasn't told me to get rid of that yet. <laughs> he knows how weak I am. So I drink coffee, and I pray. And you know what? Sometimes I fall asleep. I fall asleep sometimes. But the weirdest thing is this. A couple weird things. Number one, I always wake up. And I'm not kidding you. It is spot on on an hour. It's so weird. And I feel so refreshed, not just because I napped. I feel refreshed in body, but also in soul. And you know, sometimes I say, Lord, did I really pray a holy hour? 
And you know, you hear back, well, that's the way the apostles made their first one, so I'll take it, you know? <laughs> but I'd like you to be awake. <laughs> but here's the thing. I had, I had two amazing, uh, I have some, some buddies, fathers, you know, young kids and stuff, and they always give me amazing insights, and two insights. First one is this. Actually, one from that and one from something else. One is, I said, I said, you know, it's so cool, because I go over and play with kids, rile them up, and then leave. It's awesome. <laughs> and, but I was like, I love, you know, like, they're just, they have so much fun, and they're doing all these things. And he's like, yeah, but he's like, you know what? You know what my favorite time is with my kid? When I just got I get to hold them, and they sleep. Holy cow. You want to talk about an image of the holy hour? You know how much we say, God, look at me. God, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Hey, look what I'm doing. Hey, look what I'm doing. You know, I think sometimes, like, I get into the holy hour, and he just goes, boom, and I'm like, <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> you know? And that's okay. The other thing, this is from a medical perspective. I think doctors and, and priests have a lot in common. Because when is, or doctors in Christ, when is the most, when are the most serious surgeries done? You don't even know. I love that. When you're sitting there. And you know, like I'm like, give me the gas, you know, right? Like, Hurry up, give me the gas. I remember I was got, I got into this one at uh, surgery, and I said, "Can I? Are you putting stuff in yet?" And they're like, "What?" I'm like, "Give me the stuff." I said, "Don't worry, if you kill me, it's okay." <laughs> and they're like, "What?" I'm like, "I went to confession. I'm ready. I'm. I, it's gonna be awesome. Give me it." <laughs> All these people must have thought I was absolutely insane. And then the part I love about it is when you're sitting there and you're like, "Is it going?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's going." And you're like, "Okay." You're like, oh man, it's coming. And you and, and, and you're and they're like, so how are things going? You're like, everything's <laughs> and then boom! And you're in your hospital room. You're like, what the hell just happened? You know, like and everything that needed to be taken care of is taken care of. That's the same way sometimes that the holy hour happens. Now, I think Jesus wants you awake. But every once in a while, maybe he just needs to knock you out just to make you be quiet. Or maybe, God forbid, we take a rest. A rest! from the busyness of life and do it before him. I'm serious, man. We've got to get more serious about this, okay? The last thing I want to leave you with, <clears throat> um, well, two things. The first is this. When I, when I was ordained, when I was ordained, I don't, I don't tell many people this, but I'm, I think it's proper for this, uh, for this group. When my, my seminarian buddies who were priests, they said, when you're laying prostrate, you know when the, when the priest lays down as a deacon, and they do the litany of the saints and all this. They said, at that point, you got to have whatever your intention for your priesthood is on your mind, and you got to ask for it from God right there. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and I was like, oh, man, what a... You know, and I got to that crippling aspect. You know, I had, you know, 14 pages of things I should ask God for. You know, I'm trying to narrow it down. Okay, that one there, that one, you know. <clears throat> Finally, I'm just like, oh, the heck with it, you know? <laughs> Whatever comes to me at that moment is going to be there, and it's going to be the most important thing. I laid down, and I said, this was my prayer that came to me. I said, Jesus, don't ever stop amazing me. Don't ever stop amazing me. Because he had done so much, he had amazed me so much just in seminary. I said, Jesus, don't ever stop amazing me. And I heard very clearly, then don't you ever stop coming to me. That was it. You want an amazing life full of passion, full of fire, full of power? Then don't stop going to him. The final thing I leave you with is this. <clears throat> um, Father Pedro Arupe, who was the uh, Master General of the Jesuit Order some time ago, back around the time of the Vatican Council, <clears throat> he, he said this prayer, and thank God somebody wrote it down. 
Because he was up, he had all the Jesuit fathers in front of him, all the big guns. And he, he was talking about Vatic the Vatican Council and love and how we got to love God. That's got to be trying to love God. And this old, weathered cardinal Jesuit stands up in the back, cuts him off, says, Father, that's great. But why don't you give us something more practical? And on the spot, this is what he said. Nothing is more practical than falling in love with God <laughs> in a quite final and absolute way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed, what you will do with your evenings, how you will spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. <clears throat> Fall in love. Stay in love, and it will decide everything. And you guys, that is the absolute truth. I think maybe you can witness that in your own marriages, maybe. But I'm telling you from a priest standpoint, his love decides everything. It decides if I'm going to a wedding or not. It decides if I'm going to a, par a party or not. It decides if, if I'm going to the hospital or not. It decides what I'm going to do during the... It decides, it, it decides everything. It decides if I'm going to skip this and pray my holy hour or not. So you guys, I want to encourage you with all of my heart tonight to make a resolution that you are going to pray the holy hour. And it starts tomorrow. I know it's crazy. Maybe you need to sit with it a couple days. I'll do it. You're the man. I appreciate that. God bless you. <clears throat> I'm telling I'm, I'm not I'm not 100%. I can I'm not 100%, but I'm darn near. I love that time, man. Love that time. And if you don't do it in the morning, you're never going to get it done. Can you attest to that? If you don't do it in the morning, you just because there's all types of good things the devil's going to have you do. Just to keep you away from Jesus. Oh no, you need to correct those papers. I, you know what? I need to correct those papers. Gosh, these are boring as hell. <laughs> Why am I not praying? <laughs> Gotta keep correcting these papers. Aren't you hungry? Jeez, I'm hungry. Well, you don't want to eat anything here. Go into town. Yeah, you're right. No, he'll have you doing all... He will start throwing things. And good, good things, dumb things, stupid, whatever. And we consent to him. So if you love him, you pray one hour with him. I promise you one thing tonight. I will make you a promise. Your life will change radically. Radically. And you will have a new life inside of you that will push you to do things you never dreamed of doing. And finally, you can quit worrying about yourself. So I hope, I hope it helps. Um, I hope you guys take it seriously. I hope you do it. Uh, otherwise, this talk was pointless. So, <laughs> God bless you all. Excellent. I'm sweating. Okay, we can go ahead and clear out about half the chair just to make some room if you guys want to sit around and visit. We got